that's me too. Because I just go three beat presses, and then I'm always a second behind. I think I got to press on three yeah. as well. But it really ultimately it doesn't matter. Ultimately, nothing matters. Is that not the <laughs> is that not the takeaway of our world right now? Yeah. Everything matters, and nothing that, matters. Nothing really matters. It's true. I mean, that's how I've kind of been thinking about things for my uh, most of your, mo- most of your majority life. of my adult life. Yeah, it's true. It's really kind of the power move. It's really the way to be. Um, Doesn't really matter. Nothing matters. Um, there's some things that matter. For instance, good soup. I think there's <laughs> so a lot depressing. of bad soup out there, and I think good soup definitely matters. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And a nice comforter. I think if you have a bad comforter, it's sort of like okay, you know. So there's yeah. there's that. Um, I think getting to the DMV early in the morning matters. Yeah, I agree. That definitely matters. Um, yeah just to sort of like not have your whole day revolve around it like going to the dmv at like 1 p.m it's like ooh, enjoy your evening if you get one like you're not coming out until like maybe six o'clock like i'm being honest yeah um wouldn't mind blowing up a couple dmvs into a into a little terrorist Mm. moment for myself Mm. i'm loving it um, can't endorse that but mm, yeah. i think you're endorsing it just by yeah, just being here so in a way you're complicit mm. um simply by talking to me i'm not sure about that well, one that's how the law works so um mm. when i'm on the stand i'm gonna go yes we did it and you <laughs> your lawyer's like we didn't do anything i'm like didn't we i mean i could give you up right now i could call 911 <laughs> I feel like there's a really good chance that you would rat me out. Am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> would I rat you out? It depends on what the deal I got was. I feel like the deal could be like chill and you'd rat me out. They're like, look, mm. Rod's getting life in prison. We can't offer you anything, but we do have half of a sandwich that he fucking did it. And they're like, oh, wow. <laughs> really? You're like, yeah, you're already eating the sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I want to be wrong. Yeah, I mean. If there was any shot that I would be in, like going to prison and they were like, just tell us what Rod did and we can let you go, then yes, 100,000% I'm writing you out. And you know, as I'm going to jail and I see half the sandwich on you, I'm like, I get it. I totally get right. it. Just tell me, like, was it Subway? Like, as they're pulling me away. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Because I feel like in, in prison, like, I feel like you have the chops to, like, ascend prison ranks and maybe you could run a prison. Mm. But I think I would just get eaten alive, honestly. Yeah, I think ironically, I, it's mm. it's a it's a surprising twist, but I agree with that. I think I would yeah. go there and be like, "Hello, Maurice," like my muscle. <laughs> yeah, like, you'd be like that fancy guy who just snaps and yes. like, has a big idiot punch someone in the face. We talked about it before, and honestly, it proves more and more true. I feel like you would get there and not look anyone in the eye, and they'd be like, "What the fuck, bitch!" And they'd like yeah. literally like shove like a toothpick, like a set of toothpicks up your ass. And meanwhile, they I'd they be, threatened to do it with me, and I'd be yeah. like, "I dare you!" Yeah, like, he's fucking insane. Yeah. I'd be brushing my teeth with lead pipes if I went to prison. One hundred percent. And then you'd be like, "Yeah, one hundred percent." You get like gingivitis like within forty eight hours of being there. Meanwhile, I would arrive and be like, "Maurice, brush my teeth." And they're like, "I'm so scared of him, and I just don't know why." Yeah. I'd shave my head, and I'd be the only one with a pink junk suit. <laughs> hand died bitch as i slit someone's right. throat in the cafeteria yeah i mean and that's easy you just gotta do it with blood yes you get pink 
oh, you like this suit? Listen, bitch, it was white. They're like, oh, my God. The last person who dared take my Twinkie. Let's just say I'm wearing him alive. They're like, yikes. Okay. Do I want to go to prison, like, low-key? We can we could get there. You could get there. I think it'd be easy. I'm gonna call you in for the yeah. I'm gonna call you in so you could get there. Love it. Um, mm, this is episode 71 of the Good Friends podcast. Episode 71 of GFP. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Thanks for staying. We got a we got a lot on the docket. We have so much on the docket. Um, There's a lot of news going down recently about some stuff. It's very important. Rogers came back from a very important trip. I did. I came back from a very, very, very important trip. Um, I just got some groceries for the first time in a couple weeks. So um, mm. there's a lot going on on my end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to talk about that, we could. I was talking about your trip to Washington. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I also went to Washington. Say hi. Um, oh. Which we will definitely talk about. It was quite a moment. Um, but... Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. It was a very interesting, interesting event. Um, but before we get into anything really serious and worthwhile, something really big happened today. <laughs> something that really doesn't matter. Happened something today. that, you know, rocks my world. <laughs> yeah. While the earth continues its ascension into, I don't know, a burning rock just floating in oblivion, and our country descends into fascism with... Um, a very delicate, delicate breeze. Um, I am over here thriving because it's Oscar Nom Day! <laughs> My favorite time of year! I love this time of year. You notice? Yeah, you love it. I love you it. Love Oscar noms. I love Oscar Noms. It's a really sexy time of year. It's when you see um, just a lot of, you know, it's, it's when, you know, the thing I love about it is before this moment in which we were talking about everything that is actually happening events like the oscars would be a way to discuss them without discussing them so issues of race or class or you know you know female representation and just all this stuff right. like the nominees would give you a narrative and a way to discuss where america is at luckily right now we are you know in the um lingering days before the fall of an empire so shit's just available to talk about at any time but back in the day this was a real sort of um like a think piece soup being cooked right around this time of year, right. and I love it. Right. I mean, now you got to talk about it because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So yeah. What else are you going to talk what about? Else? Yeah. Now it's sort of like a refuge. Like my God. Like okay, I'm just going to focus right. on the fact that Amy Adams was snubbed for Arrival. Um, just something to mm. keep me warm. Um, yeah. There's a lot to talk about. So did you check out? So you're not a huge movie goer, movie lover, but. You know, you know what's up. I mean, I do love movies. I'm just a, I'm just a cheap, cheapskate when it comes to, and because you get the fucking, you get all these like fucking bullshit press passes. It's true. To movies, and it's like, of course you're gonna go. It's true. Also, like, sorry if I don't <laughs> drop uh, seventeen bucks every time I want to see goddamn fucking Amy Adams and whatever. If you, if you three. literally vowed to like, to, like go to every single Amy Adams movie in a given year, you would be broke. That bitch is in three hundred movies a year. I feel like. Every two months, there's a new movie starring Amy Adams. When does she sleep? Yeah, wasn't she in a, that that crazy Tom Ford movie? Yeah, that sucked. Apparently. She was in Nocturnal Animals. She was in Arrival. She was in Batman v Superman. So that's just three 
Um, oh, she was in that movie. Oh, yeah, man. she's Lois I Lane. Even remember that? And I swear she was in a, in a fourth movie. She was in a fourth movie. She was Lois Lane. What? Yeah, you don't remember that, dude? No, not at all. <laughs> that movie really didn't have a lasting impact. No. So no. she's in a lot of things. Like, don't know how she does it. Don't know when she sleeps. She has a kid. Like, is that kid dead? What's going on? Probably. Hmm. Yeah. It's time for me to start spreading some real, real news. No longer fake news, but Amy Adams is a dead kid. Should I start spreading that on the internet? Right. <laughs> Anytime um, there's a new Amy Adams tra- movie with, like, a trailer that launches, I'm going to um, retweet it with, why we need to talk about Amy Adams' dead kid. <laughs> Everyone's like, Jesus. Well, anyway, Amy Adams aside, Oscar noms are out, and... As always, I'm curious about your thoughts. I'm sure you have thoughts. I do have thoughts. Um, there are some surprises, some not surprises. Um, I'd say our best picture nominees are sort of surprising. They're. Do you just want to? Do you want to just like go through the the, the, the list? The, the big four, yeah. Whatever the big. One. Yeah. So there's like there's yeah, usually there's about five, five um, big. Yeah. There's like four to there's five to six. I'd say big categories. Um, and then there's a lot of technical awards, which I actually do have some problems with some of them. But um, so in terms of the best picture nominees, there's some that aren't surprising, some that definitely are. But um, in alphabetical order, the nominees that we have for best picture at the 2017 Academy Awards are Arrival, Fences, mm-hmm. Hacksaw Ridge, huh? Okay. Oh, that's the uh, Mel, Gibson. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Like, babe, we'll get back to it. Um, okay. Hell or High Water, like Hidden Figures, La La Land, okay. Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Okay. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I'm personally very surprised by some of these. I mean, I thought there were some movies that came out this year that were sort of so clearly gunning for the Oscar that I didn't even think we'd have a choice. Um, I thought Pablo Lorraine's Jackie would get nominated. Um, I th- I sort of thought the Mike Mills, um, Annette Bening film, 20th Century Woman was going to get nominated. I mean, two mm. of these films, Hacksaw Ridge and Hell or High Water really snuck in. Like, pardon. Mm. Okay. Like, I know that Hacksaw Ridge is the Mel Gibson, uh, picture. Yes. But Hell or High Water, I've never heard yeah, of. Yeah. Okay. Before. So a lot of these movies really, um, I'd heard of these two movies only because they snuck up on a lot of top ten lists out of nowhere. I didn't even know what was going on or how it happened, but they came out of nowhere. But this Mel Gibson movie, so okay, so here are the five nominees for Best Director this year. We have Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Barry Jenkins for Moonlight, Kenneth Longren for, um, oh my god, I was not pronounced how to say his name, Lonergan? Lonergan? He's a playwright, actually. Um, and uh, for Manchester by the Sea. Um, and then Dennis, oh, I can never pronounce this dude's name. Dennis Villeneuve, like how do you say it? it's French, right? You must be able to say it by now. Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Right, Pam? Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Hmm, wow, good morning. She's, oh, this guy's from Quebec, actually. Is he? Yeah. He's amazing, actually. I really love him. I love that he was nominated. Um, he's been making some, like, really, really interesting, like, genre movies. He made Sicario a couple years ago and Prisoners a couple years before that. Um, he has just, like, a really great eye. He got nominated. And the fifth directing spot is Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. So, okay, like... Melly G. Melly G. What do we do about this moment? I mean, I cannot... I mean, I just think it's so... Like, this is a very... The fact that his, like, 
resurrection or what his career renaissance is about to happen during Trump's presidency is so funny to me. Like, only in this moment and in this climate can Mel Gibson's star suddenly be rising again. Like, how? This is, I say this as someone who, like, loved Mel Gibson. He was, like, literally my first celebrity crush. I was obsessed. Right. Um, I think you very, I think you know that. I've told you many times. Um, I once had a dream where I met Mel Gibson when I was a kid. When I woke up and realized it was a dream, I started crying. This actually happened. Um, (laughs) And I also remember sending him a letter via the Lethal Weapon 4 website where you could send a letter to Danny Glover, Mel Gibson, Rene Russo, Joe Pesci, or Chris Rock. I chose Melly G, never got a response, cried again. Um, I was obsessed with Mel Gibson. And then we just went through that weird yeah, moment right at the top of the new millennium where it was like, okay. <laughs> like, literally, uh-huh. Like, what happened? Passion of yeah. the Christ, like, literally a Jesus snuff film. Like, who needed it? And then it made, like, so... That was crazy because that movie made so much money and it was right when his career had, like, reached a flat line. Like... Never in my life have I ever. Well, also him, like, kind of openly being anti-Semitic and then, like... And misogynistic. Yeah, and the crazy, like, leaked phone calls to his ex-wife where he's, like... He's just, like... I've never... Have you you ever heard those? I actually don't think I ever have heard them. Dude, they are fucking sad. What does he... And, like, fucking harsh. (laughs) Like, he's, like... Oh, dude, he's, like... He's like on the his his ex wife is like recording him and he's like, you should be sucking my dick. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, dude, he's fucking awful. What an awful, awful, awful. Person Why was he screaming these things? Because he's because he's because he's emotionally and psychologically unstable. Like honestly, same. But like, what prompted this? Like, <laughs> why is he yelling at her? I don't know, man. I I don't know. Let me see if I can send you this over real quick. I'm horrified. I mean, like, I just low-key can't believe... I just... I don't... I don't know. Like, the nom- the Oscar nominees are always telling a story. You know what I mean? And so, like, the nominees... The nominations are interesting and they matter because you want to know, like, what story they're telling. Which is why last year, yeah. it was so disconcerting that in a moment when discussions about black lives and black bodies and representation was at its highest people were really affronted by the lack of like diversity in the nominees like not because people love creed even though i think creed is like a really really great like really great well-made hollywood movie but i think people just want their films and like the films that are given accolades of excellence to sort of tell them something about themselves and the way that they're like living their lives so like what are we supposed to do with, like, Mel Gibson randomly of, of all times? Like, this isn't even his first movie since, like, that incident. He's had two other movies. I mean, I assume this movie's good. People are really loving it. I shouldn't just think of it as, like, a, um, as, I don't know, like a pet project to revive a career. It's also, it was on a lot of top ten lists and people really like it. But, like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, it's just, it's very funny timing. It's very curious timing. Um, well, but don't you think the whole night is going to be pretty much, like, filled with kind of, like, s- social awareness moments? I mean... I think probably. Meryl I mean, Street I think Pat. the fact that um, Meryl Streep scored a, a random yeah. Oscar nomination in the fifth spot for actress in a leading role 
has a lot to do, honestly, with the with Hollywood's love of that Golden Globe speech. Like, people are. I'm sure that's going to be the sort. That's going to be the thing that makes the the room thick for sure. The air in the room. Like, I'm sure of it. Um, yeah. Which I I don't know. I don't think that that's informed why there's so much diversity this year. But it definitely doesn't hurt. Like, you know, almost every major category. Um, for the most part, has a person of color. Um, you know, the like we have, oh, we have like Barry Jenkins from Moonlight, and we have what is it, Denzel Washington. You have Ruth Nega. You have um, you have a like, you, Viola you have Davis. Viola Davis. Okay. Um, yeah, you have um, Marshall Ali for Moonlight. You have Dev Patel. Um, for a supporting actor. I mean, there is like a lot of diversity and this is also the first year that you have, um, like one, like one black artist nominated for a picture director and screenplay, which is like, the first time that's ever happened, which are like, the three big categories. So there's like a really interesting reset happening in terms of what people's expectations are of the Academy and diversity. I mean, of course it's like, re- it's hilarious that like the biggest, not like at the same time, La La Land is like become the, third highest like largest like the movie with the third largest amount of nominations in like oscar history <laughs> and that is largely a movie is it really yeah it is it's after all about eve and titanic like the biggest the largest number at 14 nominations like for any other movie to take into one year um do you like the movie is it good i really like la la land i think it's like la la land is probably one of the more divisive movies divisive like hollywood movies to come out from this year. People either really, really love it or really, really, really hate it and don't understand the buzz. Oh, really? Um, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. It's like one of like the things about yeah. Hollywood that you can always be sure about. Like if there's a movie about making movies, they're gonna love it. Like the artists from twenty twelve and I mean it's just every time. Every time this happens they're like the the Academy's like obsessed. I really like La La Land. I think it has like a lot of problems, but I think overall it's sort of like you know, it's a really um and it has like pure and simple intentions, and I think it's really charming. And the last fifteen minutes of it are really are so good, are so moving, and kind of save the movie, even if you didn't really like it. But I mean, I think that I think it's like one of the, I think it's one of the best movies of the year, for sure. Um, but it is a movie that is like largely about aesthetically going back to another time. You know what I mean? Like the Academy is telling like two really interestingly different stories by having. You know, a year that, like you said, is going to be filled with a lot of discussions about, like, where this country is headed, you know, also rewriting the Academy's own issues with diversity while also pushing for a movie that is sort of, like, really nostalgic in its own way. And I think that's sort of, like, a really interesting tension. I mean, like, I don't have a problem with La La Land. I think that the movie actually has a really – it's doing something really interesting with the sort of effects of – affects of that – time period it's not as precious as i thought it would be the way that i thought the artist in 2012 was like way too precious like it was like or or rather like the mechanics of that movie just sort of like do whatever it is they want to do like it's just it's a good silent movie but like why are we making silent movies like i'm sorry (laughs) like what exactly are we trying to achieve with this but la la land is like is a really interesting achievement it's really and the director is 29 damien chazelle is 29 um it's crazy and Hey, so wait, did you want to listen to this uh, Mel Gibson racist phone call? Oh my god, did you actually find it? How did, also, how is this team not... Tell me that the oh. message or something, right? Because you're doing something. No. Trying to breastfeed with uh, fucking foreign bodies in you. Was that it? It has nothing to do with it. Oh, 
Oh, it had nothing to do with what? The fact that you had foreign bodies in there? What? Correct. Correct. Okay, good. So you're not lying to me about fake tits. I never have. Yes. Yes, you just did. You said they weren't. You fucking lied to me before. What? I didn't. I never said or I never said anything of a kind. What is going on? You never asked me. I never told you. Or maybe you asked me, but I never lied about this. Not a lie. Who cares? So they look ridiculous. Get rid of them, why don't you? Anyway, uh, you know. That's not none of your fucking business. What it is. Like. It is. They look stupid. I'm just telling you. It's just an appraisal. Keep them if you want. Look stupid. See if I give a fuck. You know. But they're too big and they look stupid. They look like some Vegas bitch. They look like a Vegas oh. whore. And you go around sashaying around in your tight clothes and stuff. I won't stand for that anymore. I don't. I don't walk around. I don't want to be that. I don't walk around in tight clothes. I stay at home for most of the time. You public and it's a fucking embarrassment to me. You look like a fucking bitch on heat. And if you get raped by a pack of niggers, it'll be your fault. All right? Because you provoked it. You are provocatively dressed all the time with your fake boobs. You really have to show off in tight outfits and tight pants and you see your pussy from behind. And that green... So, he's nominated for an Oscar this year. I mean, this is what I am talking about. That Wow, that is really extreme. I mean, I don't know. You, we've talked multiple times on this podcast about, like, the ethics of sort of separating the artist from the art. I don't know. I mean, like, those ethics were more were put to a certain test when you have a movie in which, like, the Jews are depicted as killing Jesus and is directed by someone who's suddenly become an yeah. anti-Semite and the movie's in Aramaic. I mean, like, the optics on that are different. I don't know. What is Hacksaw Ridge about? Like, it's World War II, World War One. like... I think so. One of the... one. Of, would you know which one? Like, which war it is? No, I think it's World War Two. I mean, you know, I don't know. World War Two at this point is such, like, an agnostic event. Like, it's such a easy parable of good and evil. I don't know what angle this movie takes, and I really, like, low-key, like, don't want to know. I've, like, had it. Um, yeah. But that's a crazy thing to hear. And that's, see, again, this is a really crazy year to ask people to sort of, like, reconfigure their love of Mel Gibson. Like, totally. I don't know. I just don't know what... Well, I don't know what to do... What to make of that, because... I don't know... It's, it's tough. The Academy loves sort of like awarding like actors who become directors. Although, interestingly enough, Denzel Washington is not here for um, Best Director. Um, what did he direct? He directed Fences, which he was nominated for. Oh, shit. I didn't know he directed it. Yeah, that. he directed it um, and adapted the August Wilson. Or like um, it's the, it's an August Wilson play. Um, yeah. So should I quickly give my my guesses of the wins for some of the major yeah, ones? Yeah, your picks. Okay, so here are my picks for just some quick ones. Um I have a feeling La La Land will get Best Picture, um, but Barry Jenkins from Moonlight will get Best Director. And if that happens, he will be the first black, um, first black director to ever win a Best Director Oscar, um, which which I think is a is something that the Academy is consciously interested in doing while also like jerking off La La Land. I think Best Actor is going to go to Casey Affleck, who has also okay. been sort of plagued with a really interesting thing this award season about having sexually assaulted women on the oh, set right. of that movie he did with Joaquin Phoenix. I'm not here. I'm still yeah. there, which I always forget the titles. Um, I'm not here. I'm not here. Is that it? Or is that the Bob Dylan one? Uh, oh, you're right. I always, I always <laughs> mix the two up. I'm not there. I'm not here. I'm still here. I'm still there. Like, like I, I'm not here for any of them. Yeah. Um, 
But what's really interesting about that is that earlier, you know, around this time last year, like the peak of Oscars, so white, um, Sundance was going on. Sundance happened this past week and around this, it's always around this time of year. And um, this movie, Birth of a Nation, was like the hot movie that everyone was talking about. It's like the biggest Sundance buy in history. To this day, it still is. Um, And a lot of that moment was built out of a frustration happening parallel to the Oscar nominations being announced. And so the buy of that movie, which is sort of about the slave rebellion led by, um, um, oh my God, I keep wanting to say Nate, uh, sorry, Nat Turner. Sorry, Nat Turner. And the filmmaker is Nate Parker. Um, right. and so the movie is sort of being positioned to be this big Oscar front runner and a lot of, it's getting a lot of hype all from white critics. I think most critics of color were not really angling to really support the movie, mostly because this was last year. This right? was last year. Yeah. With the intention of right. it being nominated this year. Like that's how much people yes. are thinking about the award season around this time. They're thinking of next year's awards when they're buying these movies yeah, at the yeah. festivals. Um, and then it comes out that Nate Parker was embroidered in, Involved in a rape scandal with his best friend in college. He was acquitted. And a few years ago, this girl killed herself. And now this story sort of comes to the air and basically neutralizes this film's chances of getting any award season love. It was so hyped. It came out, was released, a wide release for such a small budget movie. Didn't make any money, really. Um, And it was just kind of completely obliterated. I saw the movie. It's trash. Like, the movie itself is just, like, complete garbage. Yeah, it's really not... It's not well-made. It's not interesting. It's not good. It's a really weird story and a weird way to tell it. Um, Because, yeah, that's its own own thing. But the movie itself is just, like, not really that well-made. But now you have Casey Affleck, who is literally in entrenched in the same controversy. Sans the victim committing suicide, thankfully. Um, And he is able to navigate away from the bad press and still get at the you know still get this nomination and sort of lead the pack and like i think he's gonna probably still win the oscar um Mm. so again there's some you cannot escape the sort of narrative about race and whiteness that the oscar sort of is trying so hard this year to ask you to ignore because that sort of for me hovers over the over the ballot even though i don't think that movie deserves to get love there's just no doubt that, you know, I don't, you know, if the guy was, if, if Nate Parker was white, there would have just been less of a shadow cast over that movie. That's just sort of mm. like the way of things. Mm. Brutal. Um, Controversial take. Anyway, I think but Emma Stone right. might win for Best Actress, though. Whom I love. Why? And I would like love that. I think she might win for La La Land. Why? I don't know who's going to win for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. That one is like very up in the air. And I always love the supporting roles because you just really never know. I have no clue. What is lying about? I feel like it could be Michael Shannon. People love him, right? I love him. Can you hear me? Hello? I'm going to ask you again. What's the deal with lying? So I don't know much about this movie. I was invited to like two different press screenings of it. And it literally just sort of, I just didn't feel any impulse to see it. It looks really sort of cheesy and conventional and I'm sure cute, but. I just didn't really think it was going to have any legs leading into the Oscars. And I was definitely wrong. It, it, got, it got two supporting actor nominations and a Best Picture nomination. Like, honestly, though, it's a, it's a Weinstein Brothers film, so I should have really, like, known better than to doubt its legs. Like, the movie had this sort of, like, weird... I don't know. There's a class of Oscar movie that looks more like it would be at home on, like, the Emmys. And they sort of mm. always manage to, like, finesse their way onto the list. Like... 
the blind side, which looks like it was made for TNT, to be honest, like, yeah, right. and like the help and now lion, like there are these even hidden figures to a degree, but hidden figures sort of has bigger aspirations. I think cause it's like a historical movie. So I wasn't, I expected that movie to get a little love, but I don't know. It just kind of like snuck in out of nowhere, but it's about, um, um, a young Indian boy who's separated from his family, like by accidental circumstances and is adopted. And then later in life played by Dev Patel, he wants to go search for his mm. family. I believe this is sort of like mm. the vague plot of it. Um, okay. and yeah, and oh. it's interesting and I don't know. I have not, I haven't seen it. It's one of, um, it's one of only a few movies on the list that I haven't seen. Actually, you know what? That is not true. Hell or High Water, Hacksaw Ridge, um, have made it so that I almost haven't seen half of this list, which is like really disappointing for me. <laughs> mm. Well, me too. I don't. I don't like that. Have you seen Arrival? Have you seen any of these movies? I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of these movies. Not one. I've seen the OJ movie. The OJ. Oh, which got that sweet, sweet best documentary nomination. Wait, can I ask you? Do you think that it should have gotten nominated for Best Picture of the Year? Um. Has has it has a is was this is this a discussion? Did people consider it? I don't know. Has a documentary no, ever mean, been just, nominated for Best Picture? It was just so good. I mean, I mean, it was the best movie of the year. It was my number one movie of the year. Yeah. So what the fuck? I know. Dude. I mean, it's a good question. Like, it's the same thing that makes people. You know. I mean, I don't know. Could it be? Should it be? Yeah, I think it should have been for sure. Do you think the do you do you think the Academy just kind of they don't want to have these movies i mean there is a documentary section just like there's like an animated film section they probably don't like to see these movies like get out of their lanes right right? i mean i think a little bit yeah i think you have to make a real case for a movie to sort of get out of its lane i mean when up was nominated for best picture um that was sort of more of a sort of like a the nomination was meant to be a real way of telling Pixar, making Pixar feel seen and appreciated. You know, yeah, right. that's only happened one other time and it was Beauty and the Beast and it was, and that's a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think sometimes it's really done just as like to get a message across. Like it's, again, it's trying to tell a story, like what, you know, by giving you a nomination, like what is it saying and who is it saying it to? And I don't think that the OJ documentary nomination would ever be an Academy's way of telling anyone anything, it would have to be on the level of it being a movie that just wants to get nominated because there's no bigger story there. But I think it should have been, in my opinion, because it's, it's sort of amazing. I mean, but then again, you'd have probably all these other filmmakers saying, you know what, if we had eight hours, you might've had a different product and a better product. And it's sort of, it's really hard to sort of, you know, to read that. But I mean, in my Oscars in which like all of these, you know, in, in my dream Oscars, there's, there's very the categories are like completely are like way shrunk i mean there's a part of me that really feels like it should just be like lead acting and women and men should be all in mm. one category um True. but then another part of me is like well if women aren't going to be given equal movies to be in you're probably going to get years and years where men just keep winning because there's going to be a better chance of a mm. man having a better role and then so it is sort of like a more utopic idea but in terms of these awards like you know a the best documentary is often can often be better than the best picture. I mean, like Citizen Four was like one of the best movies of that year, and I forget what won that year, but I have a feeling it wasn't as good as Citizen mm. Four. I don't know. Um, mm. These categories are really are sort of limiting in a way, and they sort of I think make, especially with the documentary category, make these people feel like they're making lesser films, you know. And in the case of right. OJ Made in America, I mean, this movie is also in the middle of this 
of people wondering if it's even a movie at all. You know, so I think a lot of people really think mm. it's like a TV show or a miniseries, which is fair. But I mean, it was in theaters, and I think of it as a movie. And I honestly think it's the front runner to win that award. Don't you think? Don't you think it's going to have the Oscar? Almost guaranteed. Yeah, probably. I'd say the biggest competition yeah. it has is. I mean, what's interesting about the documentary features? There's five nominees, and three of them are about. Um, are about like black history and black subject matter. You have the thirteenth yeah. by Ava DuVernay, who is probably the who's probably Ezra Ezra's um, biggest um, competition in terms of that Oscar because you know they owe Ava DuVernay something after the brutality of Selma and the snub of Selma. So I mean, I think she has a really good chance of winning for that documentary, which I haven't seen, but. I don't know. I just cannot imagine it being nearly as much of a crowning achievement as OJ. And then you have I Am Not Your Negro, which is actually one of my favorite movies of the year also. Then my number one favorite movie of the year was OJ, and my number 10 in my top 10 was I Am Not Your Negro. So actually these two are like sort of sandwiching. So would you be upset if they gave the Oscar to life animation? <laughs> I would literally like hack – I would be hacksawing my own ridge if you catch my drift. I would be losing right. my marboles. Also, can we talk about this movie that I've never heard of and literally will be front, will be like there on opening day. One of the nominees for animated feature, My Life as a Zucchini. <laughs> Babe, like I've never, I I ever heard of it. <laughs> well, it could be good. No, I mean like I plan on seeing it. I feel like it's going to be about me. Oh, right. I mean, any, any project that has will forte in it i i'm i'm, I'm kind oh of is will forte in my life as a zucchini that's what according to the post oh wait he's always in an, he's in two oscar nominated movies how many um snlers can say that wait i had another question i had a couple other questions actually go off how come is the 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 latest uh scorsese film silence is it trash or i don't know the, i mean why how come this didn't get like any oscar it hype? got no it oscar like one of those like oscar head movies right i mean i know but didn't it also feel like it came out of nowhere a little bit hmm. something about the yeah. push of that movie felt really weird it almost felt like they all were almost actively not trying to nab that oscar or something i don't know it was really surprising to me too only because i have a fee i wonder if in Scorsese's mind, he doesn't even need to play the game because he's Scorsese. Oh, I wonder. I one. wonder. Yeah. Because that movie, like, and and when the sort of writings about the movie came out, it was like, this is the movie he's been working on for like 13 years. I was like, excuse me? Like, why have I never heard of it? Why is it suddenly done? Like, what? I could not yeah. figure that out. Um, but yeah, no love for that one. I mean, I don't know. I'm hearing sort of mixed things about it, but Andrew Garfield, who's in it, is, was also a nominee this year, so... He's having quite a moment. Um, okay, wait, and I had another question. Was it about the fact that this is oh, the first year God. that Pixar has not been nominated for animated feature? Did they, what was the movie? What was the movie? Oh, Finding what, Dory. Finding Dory. Was that good, though? I mean, it was, I again, I think it's another Scorsese moment where I, I think Pixar is probably really shocked that they didn't get the nomination. I have to be honest. Really? Zootopia was really Zootopia good. Zootopia is the one to beat, I think. And I think that they knew, I think there was a good chance that, it, I also wonder, actually, if they actively didn't submit Finding Dory because they were worried it would split the votes between two Disney That's movies. That's so funny. There's, but that there would, yeah, right. Well, there would be three because Moana is also. Oh, nominated. you're right. Moana is also nominated, which means I bet and, it's oh, nominated. I've heard Moana is like what? Amazing. Really? I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, I bet one of Lin Manuel's songs are nominated for original song somewhere. Do you think like the people at Disney are, are like 
touching themselves because they have two non-Pixar nominated projects? It's a good question. I bet that they are. I bet they're kind of thrilled that they're actually able to sort of take back their own identity of it and step out from the shadow of their own sister company. I mean, it's like at the end of the day, Disney is like happy if any, like, you know, they're happy if anything of theirs is successful. Like, I think they're touching themselves every time one of these Marvel movies makes a billion dollars, which is every 15 minutes. So, like, I think they're Mm -hmm. good either way. But, yeah, I'm sure there's a part of them that feels sort of like they are able to... I feel feel like it would be a morale boost to be, like, the sort of prestige... The auto-prestigeness of a Pixar movie is actually secondary to, like, the quality of the movies they make. I think that would be sort of... If I was an animator, I would be really excited about that and would probably jerk off onto my secretary. Okay. Yeah. Okay, wait. Last, uh, last, last thing. I want to. I want to get a prediction. Will the president tweet during <gasps> the show? Oh, will he bash Meryl Streep when she? Will he? I mean, will he bash anybody? Will he bash anybody? Oh my god, this is a good question. I mean, are you saying this as in you are asking if you if I think that Trump knows he will be the subject of a lot of the talking? Well, just like with that in mind, I mean, it's more than likely. I think we can assume that it will be brought up. But do you think are you are you thinking that he'll watch knowing that as well? No, because I think he's too arrogant to think that. Right. Well, he's, he's almost he's too he's not arrogant enough to think that he wouldn't be a topic, but he's too arrogant to assume the liberal elite would be like having automatically bad things to say about him. I agree with that. Yeah. Right. Um, he can't imagine he'd be anyone's enemy. I think, <laughs> which is hilarious because yeah. he's almost he's like almost everyone's. Um. I think he will be tweeting during the show. I think there's a chance he will be tweeting during the show. Or, like, he'll be tweeting at, like, 1130, like, right when the show's over. He strikes me as someone who probably Mm. is watching the show on Twitter entirely. You know, Mm. like, he's paying attention, and that's his version of watching the show. But he's pretty much engaged in real time but might, like, hold off. Um, I think he will be, though. I think he will. And I think he'll have some things to say. I mean, these are, like, these are all of the people that who whose respect he like wants the most you know what i mean true. like low-key like and they're the ones he sees himself as an entertainer yes I think first yes he does he sees himself as an entertainer and you know the thing about trump that we know for sure is that he projects out the very thing that he either craves or that he does so like when he is talking about a lack of respect he's projecting as somebody who very often shows no respect or as someone who lies or as someone who's untrustworthy. I mean, like everything he does, everything he's blaming someone else for, he does as well. I mean, that was happening during the election too. And so like all of his sort of like hate of the elite and all this stuff, I think comes out of a total sort of, um, what is it? Like sort of self, what's the word that I'm looking for? Hmm. I don't know. It's not quite a self-awareness. I mean, like, He's he's he, it's like it's like what's what a child does, which is they're like, oh, I didn't even want to go anyway. You know, it's this sort of you push away the mm. thing that has pushed you away that you want more than you want to let on. You know, I think that's right. my thought. So I know he like loves these bitches and he wishes I bet he wishes that he would be like a presenter <laughs> in a way. You know, I think True. I bet he I bet he wishes that he would have lost and that the elites would love him and that he would have hosted. That is sort of like. I think what he wants, like, more than anything, he just wants a podium and for people to like Fuck. it. Jesus. Yes, that's true. Oh, man. Ugh, well, that's a segue, huh? That's a segue into a weekend that was all Trump everything. 
for better or worse. Oh. Even just saying his name, I get like a slight shortness of breath. Yikes. So wait, you went to the you went to the inauguration. Well, you didn't go to the inauguration. You went to the the march in Washington. I went. After, I went to the women's in march town for the inauguration. I was in town during the inauguration, and I during went the to the women's march. Cue music. Rod takes Washington. Meow 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 meow. Yes, I went. Um, um, it was really interesting. Wait, okay, wait. First things first, gotta get an update. You stopped by Comet Pizza and Ping Pong. I stopped by, so I yeah I stopped by Comet Ping Anything Pong. To report. Um, yeah. So not one person touched me. Um, Ooh. okay. Not one person <laughs> looked at me. Um, at a certain point when it became clear there was not a you know sex slave dungeon situation in the basement. Um, it was a yeah. relief, honestly, because it meant like, okay, this isn't about me. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's not like I'm not good enough, um, to be right. sort of like sold as like a sex slave. It's more that like, they just it's don't just, do that here. It didn't happen. It, yeah. yeah, it didn't happen. It's like, it's like so important, I think for people like me who like want to be, you know, a part of that world to like not internalize it as like our fault when we are not chosen. You know what I mean? Like. I did not become a sex slave on the hill when I went on Friday and it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the fact that Comet Pizza doesn't have a sex slave ring. And like, I need to learn to like love myself more. You know what I mean? And like not automatically blame myself. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, before I knew that, I was dropping pens left and right, making sure I picked them up real slowly, like, anytime someone looked like they could have been maybe like a senator. Um, mm-hmm. If there was someone wearing a tie, I would like, drop down you know sort of like crouch down and like butterfly flap my legs and go you feel that breeze senator um <laughs> to to no to no reaction um right you would do the the way you're saying you would do the like the drop down and get your eagle yeah on. i'd get my yes, yes. exactly i'd get okay. my eagle on and as i'm flapping go oh you like reusable energy because we got wind power mm-hmm. right here senator um okay. so all of the senators and governors <laughs> didn't really pay me any mind but yeah. i will say this um literally all the tables are ping pong tables and it's so cute did you have did you eat there we didn't eat there actually i just went mm. to buy merch <laughs> oh that's nice to support, yeah to support, to support them um but it smelled right. bomb and the pizza was so good and were there like crazy people outside being like fucking like Pedophiles. They actually weren't. And it's really funny because once I was standing there and I saw how small the outside was, I realized just how scary that shooting was. Like, there is no parking lot. Like, it's a very, like, yeah. you are on the grounds. You might as well just be in the pizza place. And people are fucking crazy if they think that this place could have been anything. It was outrageous. But it smelled good. The staff was really nice. Um, mm. It was right next to this bookstore, Politics and Prose, that um, I went to a teach-in during the inauguration um, where like three journalists were sort of hosting um, discussions of how best to resist the upcoming administration. And it was a really interesting talk. It wasn't great, but it was pretty interesting and it was right next to common pizza. So like it worked out. Um, And, but that was Friday. That was during the inauguration. Hmm. Okay. So wait. Okay. So you get there when Friday, Thursday night, Thursday? Thursday night, you get there Thursday night, Maybe your first night, you take it easy. Maybe go out, have a couple of drinks, have some fun. Exactly, right? exactly. And everything's you know shut down because okay. they're preparing for the inauguration. There's a lot of parties right. going on for the people that were there to celebrate. 
buzz in the air? Were there a lot of Trump people out? There were. When I was coming out of Union Station, there were a lot of people in gowns walking around that clearly had been at a ball mm. or whatever the hell happens right. the night before. Mm. Yes. Okay, so uh, ball goers. Also, I want to say yada, it was yada, very yada. funny because the constant tension of the weekend was people being like, hey, like, like being like, oh, so you're from out of town. Like, yeah, because we'd be taking lifts around the city. And they'd be like, so what are you right. here for? Are you here for the inauguration? You sort of would like not know what to say or what where they were right. at and you'd sort of feel out the tension they'd be like or are you here for the march and you'd be like i'm here for the march like nice right on but or there was someone you know there it was really varied you did not it was funny because you really did not have a sense of um who was there for what like it wasn't a clear it's so line. funny how these like if that had been an online interaction you would have been like i'm here for the march you fucking idiot. right and then instead it was like you well, know i'm just here to right. be here yeah. Just so good. Or gone. like in a large group, you'd be like, fuck you. But like one on one, people are so much more civil. With 100%. We're so much more cowardly. I mean, it is what it is. Like, there's, yeah, there's, no, and including them, like, there was a woman in a gown and like a fur coat who asked, like, my uh, my friends and I were walking. She was like, ha. And I was like, how polite. Ha. ha. I was like, so polite <laughs> for a bitch. Like, literally wanted to like set her aflame. <laughs> Okay, so that's cool. So wait, you have fun Thursday, Friday morning. That's the inauguration. Day, Friday right? morning is the inauguration, which, as um, as we know and as we'll get to, was poorly attended. Hmm. Very well, poorly. That's not what the press secretary says. I mean, save it for another segment because, goddamn, did that take the wind out of me um, on Saturday when during that press conference when it started airing. Anyway, so Friday, you're like freaking out. Freaking out! What are you doing? You're just you're at the you're at the teach-in. Do you are you even like paying attention to what's going up? On or is there? Like, I mean, we walk. I watched the inauguration in the there morning. There was a big protest that day. There was a pretty big protest. It was less organized. It was not part of the women's march. Um, there were arrests. There was violence, um, which is fine. You know that is like an important version of protesting as well. It's not mine. Um, and actually, you know, I was sort of reflecting back on what happened on Friday, um, on Sunday when I was thinking back about Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, what are we doing? I, I watched the inauguration. I watched the speech. I watched it was completely done, was depressed, went to lunch, went to the teach-in, went to Comet Pizza, um, went to a bar, got very, very, very drunk, um, and wow. then went home, like, really late. Um, yeah, it was just a – it was a mood. I mean, it was a vibe. It was a whirlwind. It was a whirlwind. It was a scary moment. Um Trump's speech was really scary, <laughs> you know? I didn't listen to it. It's really, the language is really intense, and, like, he was telling a, a real, he was telling a story. He was telling you a story about America, an America that I don't, I don't recognize, and I don't live in, and that is not real. And it was, it was, a, it had the, the tenor of a fascist speech. It was really mm. unnerving to sort of witness the tone of the impending administration so blatantly on its first day, minutes after he was sworn in. I mean, it was just so, it was so awful seeing those, these people I hate, like to see Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and, you know, just to see these people so excited and smug and I don't know it. And it's really funny just how much the inauguration, the, the sort of vision of the inauguration as an image changes um, when, when when you have such like an interesting group of people being sworn in. I mean, like, 
you know, when the Obamas were sort of leaving into the helicopter, it looked like such like a transition of power and had such like a moment. And then the minute they took off and you sort of saw Melania and Trump like walking back with like their respective agents, suddenly it looked like I was looking at a feed from like Russia or like North Korea or something. Like mm, it just had Jesus. a different feel, their posture. There's no warmth coming from them. Like it was not celebratory. It felt like a military meeting. It felt sort of like seeing a helicopter off and going back into your office. I don't know. It was really, it kind of took the breath from out of like the air out of me. Like it was just so, it just scared me a lot. It was a really, it was a really tough sort of thing to watch and I couldn't shake it off. And that's probably for the best I would say. And that sort of factored a lot into what I was thinking on Saturday during the March. So tell us about the March. So the March is, is, the March was a very interesting event. It was, um, Attendance was above and beyond what was anticipated, and it was effective. Um, and it was like worldwide. It too. was I mean, worldwide. There was ones in Montreal. There was one in London. There was one in Antarctica, like <laughs> literally. Yeah, it was worldwide. There was some in Africa, um, in West Africa, in um, yeah, London, France, um, all in almost all fifty cities. Like, uh, or sorry, in all fifty states. There was a march. It was crazy. I mean, that element of it was crazy to me. Um, and it was really powerful. And there were really, you know, I mean, I think like. Did that kind of make up for how you felt on Friday? So yes and no. Seeing what yes and no. I Saturday mean. Saturday was like. It was tough, right? Like it did make up for it in that what I was feeling in the moment was was not despair. You know, what I was feeling sort of was something way more joyous and celebratory and lovely. So, so no, it wasn't, it it didn't, it did, it was a different feeling. Um, I have feelings about the March. So it was, there were moments in which it felt sort of so um, joyful that Mm -hmm. I thought that that was a really important balance for, what we were sort of aiming to remind people the campaign had been, which was the opposite of that, a campaign of sort of hate and violence and incited hate crimes. And, you know, as a response to sort of the tenor of the administration, the sort of celebratory joyousness of the march felt radical Mm -hmm. in that sense. But there were moments in which I felt like it was also inappropriate. You know, there were moments Mm. in which I could not really... And I didn't realize this while I was while I was experiencing it, um, because sort of what also happened was that in the morning there was a series of speakers and performances, ah, and then around wait. oh shit yeah are you talking about uh, Madonna? Oh my God, so Madonna. <laughs> Did you fucking hear what she? said? I heard what she said from secondary from secondary people, and it sounded really intense. And the way that she said it sounded really. She she basically said that she you know as a flippantly said that she wanted to like blow up the White House. Um, but the way that she said it sounded so funny. She's like, like I'm fired up. Like, Whoa! like I'm really angry. Whoa! I want to blow the fucking white up. Like it was like, oh my. She like she like really snuck it in there, and everyone was like, Jesus Christ. Which I thought was. Why does she keep getting invited to stuff? I mean, first of all, you can't throw a woman's event and probably not invite Madonna. I don't know. There's just something. Yeah, you can. I mean, like, Yes, I mean, you literally trust can. me, next time they better lose her invitation. Like, girl, <laughs> the idea of like Madonna and her like, hello, okay, inside my left shoe is a detonator. And everyone's like, what the fuck just happened? I mean, 
that was a moment that really frustrated me because it felt like Madonna's insatiable desire to be provocative outweighed any sort of strategy yes. about what it is that you should and shouldn't do. Like, you know that that is what the other side wants to hear. That is the thing that they'll focus right. on. And I didn't even really, like, give much attention to what they were kind of, you know, I mean, by the end of the day, the administration will have been so focused on people's vision of what the inauguration had been that any sort of like spin needed for the march was unnecessary because they were barely responding to it. They were, they were sort of too busy padding like the fire that their stupid president's ego has like erupted, right? But at the, t- at the yeah. moment, I was like, they're going to like hold on to this and be like, look at these lunatics. Like, you know, that was so, yeah. I thought it was so irresponsible. Um, but like, God bless. I mean, freedom of speech, like that is also like an element <laughs> of like, you know, her ability to say that is an extension of our ability to be there at all. Um, sure. Because we, sh- the city was shut down. It was a really unbelievable image. Like, Everywhere you looked, it was like, it was just, it was like tens of thousands of people. It was so unbelievable. Like, I don't know, everyone holding signs, wearing pink, just like crowds of people. It really was like such an insane vision uh, or visual. Like, I really can't even put it into words. It was so amazing to just be like, this isn't like a, a, this isn't extend into just the mall. Like, especially once we actually started marching. So that was the thing. There were all these speakers and all these performances and the, you know, the march was supposed to happen around one. It ended up being, you know, not really starting until two. And it started to get a little frustrating because there were sort of these parade, this parade of like a list left leaning talent, like Scarlett Johansson, Ashley Judd did spoken word, Alicia Keys. I was like, y'all okay like you know camilla harris was there amazing mm. gloria Steinem, important angela davis crucial but like by the time i don't know i was like fergie like is fergie coming now like <laughs> it was like excuse me can we get started here it was like so annoying like by hour four when it was like all right now we're gonna walk to the white house right after we introduce rachel ray i was like are you guys kidding like <laughs> i need to get moving those moments were really frustrating. Um, and so those moments of joy sort of took me by surprise. And I didn't really understand how it made me feel until like a day or so later, really until I was on the bus ride back yesterday, actually, to be totally honest, where I was really just sort of digesting like the march. And, you know, I think that there's two different types of protests that happen. And one is sort of like a symbolic one. And one is a sort of like active one. And I think the march was an important symbolic protest and it became more important um, especially when the images of the inauguration came out. I think, like, those two images side by side tell you something really important. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. tell you something really true about sort of, like, the division of the country and of sort of, like, the strange scenario that has allowed our president to become president, which is sort of, you know, an issue with our the way we vote and all of this. So on that level, I was, like, really obviously excited. But then there was this other part of me that was, like, looking at this huge crowd of people and I was on Twitter and I was like, wow, there's like millions of people marching. And at that point we didn't even know that it was global yet. Like we just knew that it was happening in every state in oh, cities really? across the country. Like, yeah, the, in the, it wasn't fetching all the tweets. I was just sort of able to see like, Oh, Whoa, like this is happening everywhere. And I was like, where was everyone on election day? Like, where were yeah. you people? <laughs> like, excuse me where the fuck were all of you like this revolution is outrageous like 
Yeah. Why was voter yeah. turnout so low on November 8th if this was sort of the reaction well, afterwards? I mean, there were a lot of kids, and I'm sure there was people who were attending these things that can't vote. I'm sure that that's so. true. I'm sure that that's true. But, I mean, you're talking about, like, hundred. I don't know. I mean, there was a big part of me I that was— it. it was such a— I, w- I wondered if people who voted for, like, se- for Bernie yeah. and voted for Jill Stein or people who didn't vote at all. Totally. And I'm sure that there, those people were there. Or not party people, sorry, like the Jill Stein people and the non-voter people. Because there's a lot of people I know whose vote for Jill Stein or whose abstinence from voting was an act of protest and that the march is yeah. a secondary version of the same act in their mind. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. their ability yeah. to not vote is is a freedom that they're allotted, as is this freedom to protest. And so I had a really strong feeling, not built on any sort of facts, which I know like is fine in 2017, but I'm not going to like parade it around as fact. Like I don't know for a fact, but there's no doubt in my mind that every protest in every state and city featured a healthy amount of people who did not vote strategically or vote at all. I'm sure of it. I'm so sure of it. And so that proved a little frustrating. And then the other thing that sort of frustrated me was the sort of reality of what white women rot in this election and which is like such a hard conversation to have and such a hard thing to think. And I didn't really think it in the moment. Um, though I did notice that there was a lot, I noticed that one of the things that frustrated me about that teaching, uh, or that, that I was telling you about on Friday, um, was that there was, it was almost like predominantly, it was almost entirely white women. There was like a black, um, journalist or I'm sorry, a black lawyer who was on the panel and there was a few women of color in the audience, but it was like 85, 90% white women. Um, Mm. and Washington DC is predominantly black. Washington DC is 50% African American, um, the population. So I wondered Mm -hmm. about the teachings outreach. I wondered about who, you know, how were they letting people know to come to this thing? Was it, you have to be on their newsletter of their liberal bookstore or did they, you know, reach out to communities as a way to, you know, show solidarity on Inauguration Day, which was a symbolic day to host the teaching to begin with, right? So that was mm. in my mind. And then I'm looking at this event. I'm seeing a lot of diversity, which you were not seeing at the inauguration, and that lifted my spirits a lot. But it, I'm also sort of, you know, recognizing that, like, the presence of, like, white women is the reason that this is proving nonviolent and that the police are not getting involved. Like, the police are not threatened by you know, hordes of white, like the, the entire optics of the March change because of the fact that there's a lot of white women there. There's a lot of white people there, period. Yeah. Right. And, and so there was this, there were these two things that were happening at the same time. On one hand, I was sort of, I was, I was like, there are like, we would not be having this protest, um, for the sitting president because we would not be swearing Donald Trump in this weekend if a large swath of white women had not voted for him on November 8th, bafflingly, right? And so then I had this dark other moment where I was like, okay, but then if we were also swearing in Hillary Clinton and Trump hadn't won, how many of these white women would show up to a protest? How many of them would feel that there's anything worth protesting in America? When there still is, obviously, right? And so I sort of got sort of irritated by this like, weird story and then i'm like looking around and i'm seeing a lot of like selfies and i'm seeing a lot of like you know i'm seeing like the random wooing that's happening that i know is meant to sort of like (laughs) really like be like a a wave of positivity you know to just get everyone energized and kind of fired up and i the, the the thing that made that happen is so authentic and real and important for a protest for a march if not a protest but i was like what like these this 
sudden wooing, like, woo, like, yeah, is like, it, like, what? And then I'm looking to my left, and I'm seeing Alicia Keys singing on a screen, and I'm seeing just, like, you know, people's protest signs are pretty much, like, Coachella outfits, like, everyone's clocking each other's, and you know everyone's sort of, like, trying to be, like, the wittiest, and, like, that's okay. <laughs> but I'm just marching with these people, and I'm like, what, is, like, what, what is this? Like, what mm. is this event? Like, what are we doing here? And, like, how many of these people would come out for a Black Lives Matter protest, I wonder? Like, why like why is there no police presence here thankfully there isn't but like you know the standing rock protest was like you know pretty peaceful it was just people sitting and that was like a violent affair and well that one was look i kind of agree with you but i will say the standing rock protest does have money behind does it. have money behind it's it no it's if, true it's true it's not as if all these white women were you know i mean if it yeah i agree probably the fact that they were it was mostly white chicks definitely it wasn't that it was mostly white chicks, but there the there did, was there I not from was there not from from far away just as somebody who's like witness because I know you 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 didn't march because you were in Canada at the time, but like was yeah. there was there not a sense that this was sort of like led largely for and like as a it, did it not feel like it was like a liberal white woman's response to the incoming president more so than any one other thing that's what it felt like to me and i chose uh, i didn't really realize it at the time because i actually went into it sort of protesting just like trump in general and then when i really was in dc and sort of seeing the flyers i was like oh wait this is sort of like really like about women by women for women and like i adjusted my sign my sign to be about like you know it's about abortion i don't know i like i i sort of like reconfigured what my angle was but i didn't realize when i was like when i first heard about it i thought it was i mean i was i i was aware that it was like a woman's march for i didn't really understand at first what they were what the main goal of the protest was I figured it had something to do with the inauguration since it was the day after. Right, that it was just sort of a general protest against the incoming president. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like... It was weird because it wasn't like a... I think a lot of times these like protests, when there's not like a central motivation behind it, it the message kind of gets lost. Right, right. Which is why I sort no, of tried so, to focus my element of it because like... God knows there's enough, there's more than one thing to protest, like, right? Like, there's so many different things that one could be there to stand up against. And you can be there for all of it, but, like, it is sort of amorphous in a sense to just sort of, like, have a lot of people there. I mean, look, I'm not trying, I'm not ragging on the march at all. Like, like, this was, this was, like, a historic event. And, like, the most important thing is that it is forever, the dissent is going to forever be in the context of the inauguration and the president's, you know, rise to power like you won't be able to really separate the two just because it happened on Saturday and happened on the scale that it did and it took over the city and it happened to comically dwarf the numbers at the inauguration I mean like just on that level and just on the level of the catharsis of being in that space with people who cared about this thing you that has like been destroying you since November like Mm. there's no way to for me to put into words like how great the space was and how important it felt to be there but there is this just sort of there is a smugness and a satisfaction to liberals and to the liberal elite. And when I was seeing this parade of A-list talent, I was like, this is what they're talking about, though. You know what I mean? Like, this is what yeah. those Trump supporters are sort of like pushing back against because they did their march on Election Day. They made their shit happen on the day when it mattered. You know what I mean? And the mm. fact that you have Hollywood 
on that stage, which again, like important as like a rallying point and, and, you know, to show solidarity and honestly also as a way to like, let these people know that people with money are also on their side. That is also the thing that it, you know, makes you recognize and that it's important to be like these pop stars and these actors, they're multimillionaires and they're, you know, not everyone with money right now is evil. And that honestly makes you feel good. It makes me feel good. It makes you feel a little safer knowing that like not everyone with money that's in power is like evil, but I don't know. I just kept being like, I like don't th- I get it like I get the frustration of sort of you know of being like who like who are these people who just take up like I mean the protest didn't end, the march didn't end up being in just like you know coastal cities obviously it was everywhere but I think just being at its epicenter I was sort of like I was looking at sort of like the microcosm of the thing itself in some way and yeah. seeing it against you know just symbolically seeing it against all of these monuments and you know there was no way to like divorce it from the thing that it represents or the thing that it means and it and i mm. found that that thing was was frustrating me just as much as it was inspiring me and i just wonder what's next and i wonder how many of these people are showing up for you know for everything else that needs to be protest and you know how much is how much is feminism really like is it activated when when the specific the, the specific horrors are like affecting the specific women like i wonder i just wonder i'm just asking these questions out loud i don't know i just found myself processing like a lot of different things and and then yeah i don't know so lots of phonies bunch of selfies it's always frustrating always frustrating it felt at, yeah. at moments i had to remind myself that we weren't at like a festival and i mean i also had to remind myself like maybe it's okay if we were and that people just needed somewhere like good to be on the day after something really bad which is also its own thing but i don't know maybe i i enjoyed when i was around pockets of people that were angry i felt most better better i felt most sane Mm. in those moments when i happened to sort of when like the crowds would sort of you know move in a way that i suddenly am standing next to someone who is visibly angry i those moments felt Hmm. made me feel more like i wasn't sort of crazy for being at times i felt like I felt bad if I was angry. Does that make sense? Like I felt bad being right. in this space and not being like jubilant because I was surrounded by so much joy. And I felt it made me feel like I was like a, had like a little peanuts, Charlie Brown right. rain cloud. And it's like, well, of course I'm not jubilant. Like it's well, a political true, I mean, event. Like I'm, and I'm responding to bad politics and, and I'm pissed and I'm pissed. Right. right. And I don't know. It just, it also just triggered all these things that I feel like I was feeling in the lead up to the election where anytime I would like, mention that I really have a strong feeling that not only can Donald Trump win, but that he's going to. Anytime people were like, you know what, don't put that energy out there. It's like, um, <laughs> what? Like, excuse me? And it just sort of triggered that and made me feel like crazy for a second. But I don't know, whatever. I mean, but overall, such an important event, really crazy. Biggest event, biggest like march in history or protest in American history or whatever. Well, everyone was Checking out their signs, and I saw a couple stupid ones, but and then I saw a couple good ones. Mm, yeah, um, but I agree. I mean, sometimes stuff like that, but message gets lost if it's not focused. But anyway, we have to, we have to move on. We have to move on to uh, yeah. We got to wrap this baby up. Anyway, um, we got to wrap this baby up. But um, okay, so a quick. <laughs> so this is a this is a problematic good friend <laughs> let's do problematic good friend of the week as an occasional category but okay um don carney or charney i always forget if there's a if there's an h or not um i think it's don carney 
um, is that right? The American Apparel dude, right? The American Apparel dude. Okay. Um, so American Apparel close, like pretty much announced that they're shuttering like all of their stores last week. Um, mm-hmm. do- oh, Dove Charney. Sorry, Dove Charney. Um, they announced that it had pretty much been, I think like if you're living in a city in anywhere where there's like a large concentration of American apparels, you would have probably like had an idea this was happening. They've been sort of like shutting down like little by little. Um, yeah, they've been like crazy sales disappearing. Yeah, totally. Or like 40% off sales, which like mama's about to go shopping bitch. But, um, (laughs) I thought it was really funny. First of all, that this shop that is basically for me, most known for having all of its manufacturing in the U S is closing right is announces it's closing right as we're yeah. going into this administration that claims it wants to like create new jobs and like put America first. I mean, like not that I'm expecting anyone to buy out American Apparel, but also you know it was it was sort of a moment. American Apparel was a is you know I mean I think if you were growing up in like I don't know I I don't really know what to make it akin to maybe like the Gap in like the 90s, but like American Apparel is a store that really like defines like a moment, especially for us for our people our age. And so for it to close was just sort of like really interesting. It was really like Well look, this major. guy this guy would whip his dick out all the time. So that too. So he's also and, goals. Uh, mm, yeah, he's pretty much old perv guy who would <laughs> whip his dick out and show his dick to people. And guess what, dude? Fuck that. Fuck that. No, I agree. I mean he he also that the rapiness is all is has extended elsewhere because Terry Richardson's fame has sort or at least his aesthetic has sort of like been born out of this like kind of american apparel he did a lot of those yeah, like and campaigns then, and just that whole vibe it's so like the models are always like really porny and like maybe 15 and it just always is like it, that store has always kind of creeped me out no i bit. agree but it's so of that moment i don't know it's of a different moment i think you know like it feels well, out of touch now in that way where it's like of course no one like is really into it like the 70s porn proto early hipster moment that American Apparel like heralded in that also like made it so that you you know like I think like American Apparel also allowed someone like Sasha Gray to become really popular on the internet someone who's really like sexy and like is about sex but also able to like intellectualize her own objectification like there was that moment in which we were looking for people like that but then I think now we're just sort of looking to be like yo this is just also just like sexual assault there's no reason to like you know intellectualize it like yeah, dude. like just stop and I mean, this I basically this like didn't, means the guy like beating off to Sasha Gray. Right. No, totally. And I mean, that was a part of why the store closed. I mean, that's why they got rid of Dove, like a huge part of it. Um, he became a liability. And then the store, unfortunately, without his vision, also shuttered. So it was like a twofold thing. Like you had a bad CEO who unfortunately was like the only person who like saw the vision of the company. But now Dove yeah. has a new company and there's this great Gimlet, um, Gimlet Media uh, podcast called Startup. And season four is season four is all about um, Dove Charney's attempt to start a new clothing line. And it's really, really good. And I highly recommend everyone listens to it. Um, There's been a few there's been a lot of episodes of this podcast. So if you're interested in go if it's a it's an eight, it's a seven or eight part um, story. And so if you go on to the startup podcast, it's season four um, episode it's season four, part one episode. Like, I don't Jesus. even know. It's kind of, it's really, it's really hard to, each season has like two parts and each part is like its own story. It's hard. But yeah, season four. Mm-hmm. So just scroll down into season four. And okay. it's really good. It's really fascinating. And it's also the first time I've spent intimate time listening to his voice. And it's just as high pitched and rapey as you thought. So that's great. <laughs> God bless. 
Well, okay, so he's, I guess he's problematic good friend. Problematic good friend of the week. Mm-mm-mm. That's the sound sure, of a problematic good friend. Don't ever come near me or, or my family or... Or on yeah. me, frankly. Right. Yeah, definitely that definitely one. Definitely that one. Um, uh, okay, yeah. and now for... I want you to go in on this devil tongue. <laughs> okay, so devil tongue of the week is that idiot Sean Spencer, who's the press secretary, who claims, <laughs> among other things, that the inauguration was the most... The highest attended one, but then also bitches and moans about how you are unable to quantify how many people are on the National Mall because the Park Service doesn't keep track of those things. Right. Yet, you can also make the claim that it was the most attended inauguration of all time. Right. And also, this idiot <coughs> has had a long-running feud with Dippin' Dots Ice Cream of the Future. Yeah. <laughs> all of this is on Twitter. <laughs> He didn't delete any of these tweets. He did not. They go back as far as 2010. This is an ongoing feud. It goes from 2010 into 2015. Right, right. So, right. He probably still thinks about Dippin' Dots. And apparently today the CEO reached out to him in an act of of goodwill. Yeah. But anyway, so these tweets, Dippin' Dots is not the ice cream of the future. That's from April 7th, 2010. Great grammar, P.S. Dippin' Dots is not. Yes. Who taught him? (laughs) Betsy DuVos? (laughs) Oh, go off. And uh, September 22nd, 2011. I think I have said this before, but Dippin' Dots are not the ice cream of the future. <laughs> okay, hot take. <laughs> then, again, September 7th, almost four years later, if Dippin' Dots was truly the ice cream of the future, they would not have run out of vanilla. Oh, my God. CC. The Washington Nationals. Apparently, he was at a baseball game. And also, at one point, he just like retweets a story about them filing for bankruptcy. Like he's also just like keeping up <laughs> tabs. Like he doesn't even have like a tweet that accompanies the link. He's just like, ooh, a Dippin' Dots update retweet. Obviously, like he has a brand. But then also he so he not only attacks Dippin' Dots, he has a vendetta against Daft Punk. Oh, this is news uh, to me. This is from this is from January twenty sixth, twenty fourteen. Okay, Daft Punk. He calls them Daft Funk. Wow, Daft Funk. Good one. This is your 10 seconds in the spotlight. You are blowing it. Hashtag Grammys. Hashtag Grammys 2014. Then someone replied to him. Um, they've been nominated and won multi-time since 98. Sean, Sean Spicer says, in reply to this fool, was an early and still fan, but come on, helmets, Tay need to grow up. Oh, <laughs> Tay need to grow up. Is he me? <laughs> Are you joking? Dude, this guy is unable of compiling... A coherent like a, sentence? A, like a coherent sentence. Okay, he hates emoji diversity. Okay. How oh come all God. the emojis have hair? In Apple's latest update, emojis get diverse. So what, he's wanting like a bald emoji? or There know. is. There's that old guy emoji. Well... He would. He wants an old. He wants a bald young guy. Oh my God! How dare the right call us sensitive? Is anyone hearing this? On breakfast meat, he says. Question: <laughs> Is the worst piece of bacon better than the best piece of sausage? Wait. Hmm. A quick pause, because I'm gonna have to say <laughs> maybe. As someone who doesn't eat pork, I will eat like bacon out of a trash can. Um. And like, I'm okay not touching a sausage. I think a, I think the best piece of sausage is better than the worst piece of bacon. But that's just. Me. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you also like Dippin' Dots? Because I sure do. Hmm. Mm, they're okay. All right. I can't do this anymore. I can't be. Oh, dip- and look. Divided. He had he had a he had a take on 
the Oscars 2015. Oh. February 22nd, 2015. He says, unless the Penguin movie is up for an hashtag Oscar 2015, I don't think I have seen a single nominee. <laughs> so. Wow, Sean Spencer's really are, Spicer's really are, um, a resident cultural, like, I don't even know, cultural, like, I don't even have a word for him. He's just, like, so plugged in. He really, like, wants us to know his two cents, God bless. Well, look, this idiot doesn't know what he's talking about, and... He's so pathetic. He's so pathetic. And when he's eventually fired, it's going to be so funny. Yeah, but they're just going to replace someone replace him with someone who does his job they are they are they're gonna replace him probably with kellyanne conway but i mean like i just think it's so funny that he is like bent over backwards and is just being trump's bitch and then is just gonna be like a laughing stock when he's fired that's how everything is though that's how i like he's gonna be like the chris christie of this administration but also like part of me is like Trump is so incredibly loyal to the people who were around him when he got elected like all the people on his campaign like worked with him in his transition and now they all have like positions in his cabinet yeah more or less like the people who like in his inner circle like his son-in-law jared kushner you know yeah and like the breitbart guy and yeah steve bannon i mean no totally i mean it's true but this dude was not that he was he's like a sort of the right sort of push for him to be his press court i don't think trump wanted him he was like an Mm. rnc he was like the rnc chair i'm pretty sure um yeah and i think he felt like the rnc really actually did not have his back rightfully so to a degree so i actually don't think that he i think that's why he would get rid of him i think this is someone who in his mind is actually like not loyal and he's sort of like giving him a shot and apparently he like forced him to go out and lie after the inauguration and then said he did a bad job even after like he demanded that he do it and also said he looked bad in his suit he has ill-fitting suits (laughs) (laughs) i mean i just hope that like all these spineless politicians who are cowering before him end up fired and end up having lost everything including credibility and dignity because like if all they want is power then the only way for them to feel shame is to have it stripped away from them and I just yeah, can't wait to see, hopefully, this dude crumble. Like, I hope he just, like, is fired and that his wife, like, cheats on him with, like, someone, like, hotter and takes the kids mm. and they take his money mm. and move into a house. Like, he's just so pathetic, such a loser. And then I hope that he is walking along a street and cars just drive by and they're like, hey, Spicer! And they throw dipping Dots at him. And then he uses his last $100 to buy a gun and shoots himself in the mouth. Well, this is what I hope. I hope that he has a come-to-Jesus moment and has an epiphany and turns life around and becomes a really nice, honest, just person. Okay, that I was about How to about say that? that part as my plan B <laughs> as well, but yeah, for sure. I mean, you can say it. Um, yeah, I hope that too. I hope he has an awakening and becomes a like noble person, and then, you know, right. he leaves with, you know, he walks down the street with his head held high and, you know, a new sense of vigor, and then a car drives by, and he's like, hey, Spicer, and throws dipping Dots at him, and then he goes and spends $100 <laughs> at a local gun shop and shoots himself in the mouth. <laughs> That's what I hope. Huh, okay. So they both end the same yeah, scenario. Yeah, all roads so. lead to that little alleyway in D.C., God bless. Well, look, I can't wait for four years of Kellyanne Conway's Xanaxed ass. Yeah, is uh, she Zannied out? 
She's looks like she's taken at least four Xanax before every TV appearance. Oh my god, I agree. Literally, she's like a real she housewife. Was like, uh, she was on Meet the Press and she was like, Chuck, mm, they were just uh, alternative facts. I was like, um, uh, drive a semi over her. Oh, I hate her, dude. I hate her. We can't even get, I mean, honestly, we have to sort of like yeah. distribute our energy appropriately. Like if we think this is like, we have to not chomp at the bit anytime we hear a Kellyanne Conway moment. There's going to be so many moments true. with this woman. Like There will be. Oh, God. I that was just day that one was, of the, that was, of the, well, day two. I mean, we're barely a weekend and already. I mean, okay, let's just sign off. Oh, speaking of sign-offs, did you hear the rumor on the internet, which I think has been proven true, that, that Trump literally took parts of the, the la- part, he plagiarized part of B-movie in his speech. <laughs> I, I saw that he plagiarized that clip from, from The Dark Knight uh, Rises. Be- yes. Yo, yeah, I've been saying. Bane. I didn't see the B-movie plagiarization. Though. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like, you know, be, I'm not trying to like, like toot my own horn but like literally i have been calling trump bane. like trump the the batman trilogy allegory uh, for all of this he has been bane from day one and i've called it and the fact that he stole started mm. some of his speech inadvertently is too good it's just too good he fucking stole b movie b movie oh and on that note huh this is word for word. Like, yeah, I know, but I can't tell if he actually did it or not, or if, like, the internet is playing, like, a trick. Listen to this. I, I'm sorry. Before, after, I'll say this. And tell me. Too, and then we'll go. Okay, so, this is the, these are the lines. The B-movie line goes like this. We are one colony, and their pain is our pain. Their dreams are our dreams, and their success will be our success. We share one heart, one hive, and one glorious destiny. This is Trump's <laughs> inaugural address. We are one nation, and their pain is our pain. Their dreams are our dreams, and their success will be our success. We share one heart, one home, and one glorious destiny. He changed two Yo. words. He changed the word colony to nation, and he changed the word hive to home. I'm and that's it. Done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Should I be a speechwriter? I hope for four years we just learn that he's just constantly <laughs> taking things from oh, B-movie. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yikes. Well, well, at least we were on this train early. Yeah. We should buy a stock and B-movie. We should buy a stock and B-movie. Um, I love you a lot. This was great. This was episode yeah. 71. And, I love you too. Um, God bless. And B-movie yeah. until next week. B-movie until next week. Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys. And take off your shoes and socks and run you. Give a little time for the child within you Don't be afraid to be young and free Undo the locks and throw away the keys And take off your shoes and socks and run Run through the meadows, scare up the milking cows Run down the beach, kicking clouds of sand Walk a windy weather day, feel your face blow away Stop and listen, love you